Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we are here with uh, episode 496 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology. Uh, for April 8th, 2018, this show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Siri might finally get smarter. Valve finally gives up on Steam machines. And Verizon gives up a recently acquired brand. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, thank you for making us a part of your day. Whether it be on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, wherever or um, any of our live stream partners, including uh, Livestream.com, Mixer, Periscope, Twitch, YouTube, or Facebook Live, um, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music Podcasts, the Podcast Play app and the Windows Store, or of course any of the other podcatchers, or on our apps, PlugHitsLive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Um, this here, like I said, is F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, the flagship show on the Plug Hits Live family of content. We are live at about 9 p.m. Eastern on most Sundays. Uh, we run for about an hour, and we'll talk about the uh, the tech news of the week. Um, y- there are two ways that you can join us. The first is live uh, by going to f5live.tv slash join us at that 9 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. The other is uh, by subscribing, by going to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you will see all of our shows, F5 Live, The Pilch Point with Avram Pilch, which will be on in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking about a whole slew of new uh, processors that have uh, come to the market or are coming to the market. Um, Our special events feed, which we have done a lot of special events over the last couple of weeks, and you'll see a lot of content over there uh, constantly coming out. Uh, first looks, which is about robotics, and uh, we've done a number of first looks events as well, and you'll see a lot of content there uh, and all of our other series as well. Um, I guess with that, that's the spiel. Avram, how have you been? Great. How are you? Not, it's been too long. I know, right? I always hate when we uh, when we have to take a week off, but la- oh, last week was a weird one. <laughs> uh with the holiday and then events all over the place. Oh, did did you have a did you have a good holiday? I know you had events for uh, both of the holidays, right? Yes, yes. In my family, we celebrate uh, we celebrate both uh, both Passover and Easter. Yeah, we had we had fun. Uh, Easter was uh, you know it was kind of, was was kind of quiet around the house. We got to. Uh, you know, we got we sat down Sunday night and watched a movie with with Isaac. He hadn't seen The Last Jedi yet, so okay. we bought it and put it on. He felt he fell asleep, but I got to finish. I got to watch <laughs> it for a second time. Sure. No, you know, all good. Uh, you know, so we had uh, we had a good time. He's he is obsessed with his robots right now. Uh-huh. He is very very obsessed. He. Uh, is obsessed with the dot robot. If you're familiar with that, I don't know that I am. Uh, it's a it's a Wonder Workshop. They make a couple of different types of robot. Dot is the one that's like a little circle, and then Dash is one that's three circles that has wheels. So I had one that I got for testing, and at first I thought this is going to be beyond his level because there's so much uh, text in the U- in the UI. 
Sure. And like he's he's just he's in kindergarten, he's just learning to read. But oh man, he he's picked it up. He knows exactly how to program it and he's like goes crazy doing all kinds of programs for it. And um That's so you know, cool. What he what he wants for his birthday, he wants the 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 upgrade model, the dash that has like that has wheels and can move around. This one's just literally like it doesn't sensor wise, it doesn't do much, but he still enjoys it. Sure. It just basically has a speaker that that talks and an eye that lights uh, and a few lights that light up and an accelerometer that can tell when it's being moved around. But uh, the, so so dot is a sphere and dash is basically the dot on top of a fidget spinner. Uh, sort of. It's a dot <laughs> on top. It's dot on top of wheels. Yeah, not, it doesn't spin. Uh, That's you know. So it's. Uh, I actually kind of love that design. That design is cool. Yeah, they've been around a couple of years, but uh, they just had just come out with a new version of the dot that had some like costumes or whatever. My review is supposed to go up soon. The problem is we had so many problems. He loves the device, but we had so many problems putting on the little paper costumes that I was like, I don't know if I'm, I'm doing this wrong. But uh, man, I I. That's a product where if I had reviewed it, written a review of it the first few days, I would have been like, this is okay, but it doesn't do that much, and it's you need to read to use it, and it you know, whatever. But then my son like just ran with it. That's awesome. He's so obsessed with it that I really changed my opinion on the product. It's like, okay, even pre-literate children can really get a lot out of this, and maybe he appreciates it in ways that I as an adult do not, because I'm like, this thing has a creepy voice. It doesn't do anything that cool. It just talks and lights up, you know. Um, but uh, you know, he he sees another way, and I think that's how kids see it. So, okay. uh, so pretty pretty interesting uh, to see what he's you know what he's taking in, what he's into these days. It's it is always fun to hear the things that he's excited about. Because yeah. he gets excited about some really cool stuff. Yeah. Now he isn't as excited anymore about the Cano um, computer okay. because the light box that came with it broke, uh-huh. and uh, which is weird because uh, there was a second one they sent me that the light stopped lighting up, huh. and he really liked programming to program the light box. Sure. So I guess one of the lessons, at least I can't say this is true for all parents. Uh, but for all kids, but if you can program it something that has a physical presence, there kids are going to be more interested in it. I think than for programming something that makes an act- activity happen on screen. So, like the dot robot, it's a robot. It lights up. It's a physical thing in his hand. To to give him something like, um, you know, what's that iPod app that that like. The iPad app that, like, you know, what's it, Swift Playground or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he. I don't. At least not at his age. I don't think he would. He would care for that. Sure. Because it's only making something happen on the screen. I'll. I'll tell uh, you honestly. It. It's not just kids. Because when I. Uh, I've done a lot of. You know, million plus dollar kind of big software projects and. Um, the the one I may not have liked the project, but that was for different reasons. Um, the the thing that I had the most fun doing was the one where I also had hardware involved. It was a GPS tracking system, and I 
I had hardware that I got to carry around and the things that I did to it affected the input and output of the system. And, you know, having having some sort of interaction with the real world, even for me, always makes software more interesting. So I'm with him. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. Um, Well, how about we get down to uh, down to business and talk about some tech? This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you are looking for an Xbox One S, which currently comes with uh, an additional free game of your choice uh, from a, a select set of games, or you want to save a bunch of money on some games up to 50% off on uh, a large collection of games, or you want to save 150 bucks on the upgrade to my computer right here, the uh, Surface Book 2, or you're looking for something uh, completely different, uh, the new Samsung Galaxy S9 and S9 Plus available, um, as well as the Harman Kardon Invoke speaker with Cortana or uh, an HTC Vive. All of that and more is available by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So, (laughs) um, let's talk some some Apple, because that tends to be what we do after we do a Microsoft promo. Um, uh, obviously, when Apple bought Siri, um, I believe in 2010, uh, they were signaling that they were thinking about how to interact with uh, devices in a new way, right? Uh, it wasn't just going to be about touch. There was going to be voice. There was going to be some AI and things like that. Uh, since then, everybody and their neighbor seems to have come out with a digital assistant. Obviously, um, the, the big three, Apple, Google, and Microsoft all do, but you've got Alexa from, from Amazon. You've got, uh, Bixby from, from Samsung and a whole variety of other ones. It seems like the last couple of CESs, everybody's got some usually woman's name that they want you to try and remember. Um, and in that time, Siri has mostly stayed the same. Uh, obviously some new features, uh, in, in the latest iOS, she got a new voice, which is somewhere between not as computery and, uh, way more creepy. And I don't know why, uh, but in general, she has not evolved in the way that Google Assistant or Cortana or Alexa have over the last couple of years. And it probably was most noticeable when they launched the HomePod recently. And uh, customers, in addition to being angry about the little rings that left on wood surfaces, uh, were pretty annoyed by the fact that uh, the speaker, for example, could only play uh, from Apple Music. Uh, or the f- and you know Spotify is the big music provider even for Apple phones, um, or the fact that uh, you still had to have another thing to make most uh, home automation stuff work. And 
So Apple seems to have recognized that Siri has lagged behind. And uh, this week they announced that they have made a new hire. Um, they actually stole one of the uh, one of the executives from Google who uh, was in charge of AI and brought him into Apple and put him in charge of uh, search. Nope. Uh, in charge of uh, AI and something. I don't remember. But essentially, he's going to be responsible for Siri. Uh, that's going to be the big push because obviously that's where AI plays its biggest role inside of Apple. Um, and there are 161 current openings inside the Siri and AI division of Apple that are all new positions. Apple is ready to fix this problem. That's what I'm seeing here. What do you think? Well, it's not like they don't have the money to afford it. Right. You know, they. it's surprising that they've allowed themselves to fall behind this way. Uh-huh. Considering the leadership that they had. Um, but I think it maybe has more to do with Apple's j- just not sort of getting being really late to the home, you know, intelligent speaker, whatever you want to call it, smart speaker market, and and really not being a big presence in smart home. And, you know, that's a mistake. So, you know, hopefully for their sake, they can, they can fix it. Um, but they, they kind of have a leg up because a lot of people still use Siri on their phones. Right. So it's probably easier. I'm going to completely speculate here. It's probably easier to get somebody who's used to using, um, used to using Siri on their Apple phone to now buy an Apple device and use Siri in the home than to get someone who's used to, who's used to having Alexa uh, in the home then go and install it on their Android phone or install sure. it on their Windows PC, sure. which are which are things that I believe I, I know for a fact that you can do. I know for a fact that it's coming to Windows very soon. I don't know if you can do it on Android yet. I think you can. Oh, on Android, right? absolutely. Yeah, uh, Alexa, right? There, there's a standalone Alexa, and there's uh, there's a button built into the Amazon app on Android. Right. So. You know, I think it's I think it's an easier sell to get something that's that thoroughly integrated with the phone uh-huh. to get people like, well, I've been using this on my phone. Let me bring it to my home. Versus, I don't know if people are used to using Alexa in the home. Do they want it on their phone? Right. I don't know. Yeah, um, I think I I think you're you're almost certainly correct on that. Uh, that it would it would almost certainly be more difficult to uh, to get somebody to transition from a device into the phone as opposed to from the phone into a device because for most people, you've been interacting with the device, the phone far longer than the devices and you've kind of gotten used to. And if you're an Apple user to begin with, since, uh, what's her name? Siri is the only one uh, that you can trigger by voice because nothing else can run omnipresent in the background 
uh, yeah, it, obviously being in her in her world is already a thing for you. You know, I I think Android you can make uh, something else omnipresent on Windows. Obviously, you can make anything omnipresent. But go ahead. I I I think there's too many players, by the way, in the in the home assistant space, and I think I think there are going to be some who who leave. Oh, absolutely. There's too there's oversaturation. So, for example, I'm sorry to say, I think Cortana is is. You know, Microsoft's practically already given up on Cortana. I mean, that they're bringing Alexa onto the, bring Alexa onto Windows, and sort of having Cortana serve as a concierge for Alexa, is is very strange. On, on the other me. hand, they also just hired a uh, a new chief uh, in charge of Cortana. Now, I mean, they would be they would be wise not to give up from a business perspective. Because I mean, do you really want to cede this really important space to to other people? Sure. But it could end up being like Groove Music and Spotify, you know. Could be. We. Uh, and and I mean, I think Bixby, well, Bixby has been dead on arrival, but Samsung hasn't hasn't gotten the memo yet. I um, I don't know the 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 first smart speaker with Cortana built-in came out of Harman Kardon, which is owned by Samsung. <laughs> they, they may have gotten the memo. At least one of their divisions. Because there's not a Bixby-powered speaker. They canceled that one. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I'm totally with you. There's just like any emerging popular uh, tech space, there are way too many players in it right now. You and I were talking before the show about cryptocurrency and there are way too many players there too. And you know, that's I that will go obviously by way more than there are virtual assistants, but um that's an easier one to just create and walk away from and let it run itself. Um but yeah, there there's always like a big explosion and eventually it commoditizes itself at least to an extent and the usually a big three remain you may not know who the big three will be but usually three remain in a marketplace look at cars look at computers look at you know there tend to be a big three in any particular space yeah well Needless, needless to say, uh, yeah. I mean, also they just haven't done a lot to differentiate the one from the other. Mm-hmm. You know, like agreed. I don't know. It's I, I, I know there are differences, but it's really hard to you know. What's your elevator pitch for like why is Bixby better than than Alexa? Sure. Why is Assistant Google Assistant better than you know better than anything else? Sure. Like you really. Uh, you know, they're, they're all pretty level with anytime somebody asks what what are the differences between them? The like the first big difference that I can ever come up with is, well, Cortana is voiced by a person. like, And that's such a like a weird thing to go to. But, you know, Cortana is voiced by Jen. Uh, everybody else is a really digital voice. I don't know. I. I legitimately can't come up with anything more important than Cortana can sing. I, 
So I, I would like to see them really, uh, really use some uh, completely different voice for some of these things. Like, although I understand in other countries there are different voices, so sure, it is what it is. But I think the next the next great uh, business achievement will be ha- figuring out how to do celebrity voices uh, for these assistants. Sure. I I remember having a uh, a GPS product. Uh, a company called Mio that may or may not still exist. When I Are you wa- talking about the Knight Rider one? Well, there was certainly that one, but uh, there was a, a a level of the devices. I can't remember the model number generation, but uh, you could purchase and download uh, celebrity voice packs. Obviously, it meant that it couldn't necessarily read you uh, street names anymore because there's bizarre street names and nobody's going to sit in the studio for a month and a half and record every street name in the world. But uh, you could get all kinds of, you could download all kinds of voices. But yeah, the the Knight Rider one was definitely the most obvious because it had the lights and everything. <laughs> right, but the, as my understanding of that one was the actual turn-by-turn directions were not from William Daniels. <sighs> kind of. So... Some of it was, and if he, and it was just like the the other celebrity voices on the other Mios. If he hadn't recorded a particular phrase, it kicked into the standard Mio voice. Which See, somebody's for the most part, obviously he didn't record most street names. You know, yeah. First Street and Third Avenue. You know, you might get, you might get a Kit's voice, but in general, yeah, you heard the digital voice. Yeah, that's where they're going to have to figure out. I mean, I'm not smart enough to know how they would do it. Something where maybe somebody just like says a few different, makes a few different vocal sounds, uh-huh. and they figure out how to stitch together words from credibly yeah. from that. Interestingly, the first generation of Siri, that voice was a digitized version of a person. Wow. Um, there is there's an article by the woman. <laughs> who did not know that she was the voice of Siri until Siri came out um, because her voice work had been purchased as part of like a, a pack. Clip <laughs> <laughs> art. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, oh, wait, that's me. That's weird. And so she wrote a whole article about how weird it was to encounter her own voice on what was at the time the most popular device on the planet. <laughs> And not knowing that it was happening. It's actually an interesting read. Uh, Anyway, uh, with both Apple and Microsoft, but in this particular case, Apple, uh, you know, hiring a new uh, VP for Siri, um, it definitely suggests that Apple's ready to start fixing the complaints, especially with the HomePod. But one of the things that's interesting, Apple likes to say that the thing that separates itself, it, it, Siri, from the rest of the market is that uh, their AI approach doesn't involve tracking personal and user-identifiable information, which is obviously the opposite of how Google does things. They're, they take information that you haven't given them. Apple's saying, even if you give us stuff, we're not, we're not identifying it, which... I don't know how that works, but I don't. That's not my floor of the building. Uh, 
not my responsibility. It's definitely a different approach. And since they did poach uh, this guy from Google, it's going to be a, a pretty big like mental shift for him to try and figure out how to make this happen. It might be why Siri has lagged behind because trying to pull that off is difficult. I don't know. I know enough about AI to know that that idea would be pretty difficult to accomplish. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over, let's say, the next 12 to 24 months uh, in in Siri and see if the the verbiage about user identifiable information starts to disappear out of <laughs> out of Siri's agreement. Who knows? This week's Pilch Point with online with what? No, that's not yet, is it? With a from Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head right now, the Monster DNAs, the uh, headphones that I usually wear, the Monster Elements, um, a whole variety of other headphones from corded and Bluetooth, uh, in ear, on ear, over ear, plus Bluetooth speakers from the S, the little S100 to the S400. And of course, the uh, Monster Blaster and all of the cables and uh, power to connect those and all of your other home entertainment products are all available by going to plugitslive.com monster. And uh, yes, I know I'm playing this music again and it's confusing to our regular listeners, um, but I figure let's do it as one piece. Avram, how are you? <laughs> Great. Great. Doing the whole promo with your music now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. You know, uh, a friend of mine and I went to a Judas Priest concert a few weeks ago, and there's a part where the lead singer rides on a motorcycle, and I was like, Pilch Point! <laughs> you could have had it on your phone and played it back at him. Yeah, I probably would have heard. But, uh, <laughs> um, but it's, uh, it's been cool. There are... Uh, there have been a lot of new uh, chips coming out lately. Indeed. It, it, seem, it seems like every time I turn around, you guys are writing about somebody, you know, one of the, again, to go back to our last topic, one of the big three uh, doing something new with their processors. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So whew, big, uh, big stuff. So first of all, um, Going back a few weeks, because I don't think we got to talk about it much on the show, uh, we tested out the first Windows uh, Windows on ARM laptops. Yeah. So, uh, so there are two right now: the HP NVX2 and the uh, ASUS NovaGo. Uh, the NovaGo is not actually out in the U.S. yet, uh, but the HP NVX2 is. They both use a Snapdragon 835 processor, the same kind that you find in a lot of phones. Mm -hmm. um, but they run Windows 10. But the Windows 10 that they ship with is Windows 10 S. Oy. So you can't... But, good news, you can upgrade to... They don't, Microsoft doesn't like to call it an upgrade you can change to regular Windows 10. 
So you do that. It only takes a minute to do that. Um, and then you can run many standard Windows apps, but not all of them. Uh, it only works with 32-bit apps, and it doesn't work with all 32-bit apps. And anything that involves installing a driver may or may not work, as we found when we tried to install OpenVPN, which is the VPN client that we need to access our, our corporate network, because we wanted to say, tried using one of these always connected PCs to, to, to work. Sure. Um, so seems like the main purpose you, of it, you know, well, that's the strange thing about it. That's why this category is, is a bizarre one. Um, you would think that they would be made for work, but the first few models that are coming out are being targeted at consumers. Now, these are fairly expensive laptops whose main selling point is that they have long battery life and they come with a 4G modem built in. That sounds like something a business user would want, not Bob and Betty Best Buy, you know? Right. But, uh, but the machines that they're selling, they're not really targeted business and a lot, and they don't have a lot of the features that a business would want. Um, for example, you can't get uh, the HP NVX2 with more than 128 gigabyte SSD. You can't. I don't. I don't think you get it with more than 128. You can't get it with more than four gigs of RAM. Huh. You know, it do, obviously doesn't have business security things like VPro or a fingerprint reader. Um, but more importantly, it just doesn't run a lot of software well. So, for example, Chrome, because Chrome is not a Windows Store app, runs really badly. Chrome browser it runs. But you will notice some sluggishness okay. from time to time. You're switching tabs. You got to wait a second. You try scrolling up and down the page. Maybe there's a lag. Not every time. Probably not. If I tried to show it to you right now, it would behave. But you know, you know, you, you, the most frustrating thing I think I think people experience with computers is delays. You know, you go to pitch zoom and wait a second. I don't know. Do the is it? It's not zooming. Is it because it's late or because I didn't catch my pinch and I should do it again? You know, like it's that kind of thing where you're like you click an icon and normally you would expect to see something happen, but it doesn't happen right away. That um, that that I experienced with those with the two computers we tested. So the battery lives were excellent, like 12 and 15 hours uh, in a small form factor. The connectivity was nice to have the 4G. But uh, the performance uh, definitely leaves something to be to be desired. Um, so moving on to uh, to other CPUs, uh, KB Lake G, the uh, the love child of Intel and AMD, which has Intel processor but AMD integrated Radeon graphics, has come out in uh, in two laptops, the Dell XPS fifteen two and one, and a version of the HP Spectre X360 15-inch. The uh, HP uh, Spectre X360 15-inch, uh, I don't think anyone's gotten one yet. We haven't, uh, but we have reviewed the XPS 15 2-in-1. Uh, what we found was the performance was really good, the overall performance was really good, and the graphics performance was about equivalent to a GTX 1050 Ti NVIDIA chip. Uh, but 
the you know these are expensive laptops the uh, the the uh, XPS fifteen two hundred one starts at fourteen ninety nine, and that's with a lower end KB Lake G chip inside. So if you want the like the the KB Lake G Core i seven chip that we tested, you're going to spend at least like seventeen eighteen hundred dollars for that. For the same price, if if graphics was what you wanted. You could get a, a a gaming laptop with GTX 1050 Ti graphics for under a thousand dollars, but this is not a gaming laptop. It is a slick two and looking two and one, uh, and that's and that's the selling point. So if you want graphics that are if you want, you know, graphics that are sort of good enough for a budget notebook and something that's a form factor of a lightweight two and one, and you're willing to pay a, a, quite a high price for it. Uh, and at least in our case, the battery life wasn't very good. Could be the 4K screen that caused that, though. Uh, that's you know, that's a fairly narrow niche of people who want an expensive, highly portable laptop that doesn't have long battery life, but gets good, good, relatively good graphics scores. Um, so, uh, last uh, CPU uh, rollout I'll mention, and this is probably the most important of the three, is Intel's new Coffee Lake CPUs, otherwise known as 8th generation core H series. Uh, these are going to power uh, all of the new gaming notebooks and workstation class uh, laptops. So you can expect a huge flood of new gaming laptops to hit the market. Uh, we've already reviewed uh, the MSI GS65 Stealth, uh, the Aorus X9, and the uh, new uh, ASUS ROG Zephyrus laptop that have the new chips inside. Uh, the Aorus X9 actually has the Core i9 CPU inside, the first Core i9 that, that has appeared on a mobile device. Uh, and what we found is interesting. The overall performance was obviously a huge step up from last year's models from from seventh gen KB Lake. Uh, you know things like crunching a video or uh, doing a spreadsheet macro or running the Geekbench performance tests. It was a clear huge improvement over last year's model. However, uh, when it came to frame rates in games, we actually didn't see much of an improvement. So if gaming is really your modus operandi, you could buy an older laptop, I mean, one that's not one of the brand new ones, that has seventh generation core and get a very similar game experience. So that's, uh, that's just something to keep in mind. Now these chips are appearing in a lot of laptops, not just gaming. They're in things like the Dell XPS 15, which is a great laptop for creative professionals. And things like that. They have six cores instead of the four cores on the previous model, so better for multitasking. Uh, but if you're playing a game and graphics are really the thing in most games, it's not you're not going to see a tremendous boost from improving the CPU. What you really want is, you know, is to see, hey, is is Nvidia going to come out with new chips later this year? Uh, we don't know for a fact that they are, but it's been about two years since their last uh, last rollout. So it seems like they should be uh, doing an update later this year. Understood. 
So, <clears throat> so direct uh, on the last topic, direct um, processor heavy performance, big improvement, video performance, maybe not. Right. Most, I mean, the bottom line is most games today are very GPU bound. So that's, so the point is if you are buying a gaming notebook, as many of these gaming notebooks are coming out and they're saying, look, coffee like CPU, it's not such a great selling point for the gaming notebook. Now, at the same time that they're releasing the coffee like CPU, the models of coffee like CPUs, they're doing other things. So the other things might be worth it for you. Like, uh, you know, a lot of the new models that are coming out have 144 hertz screens, mm. which is great for anti-ghosting. And so the previous model maybe didn't have the 144 uh, hertz screen, uh, but you're getting that along with Coffee Lake. Or, you know, in the case of the MSI GS65 Stealth, that's a brand new design. The, the previous model didn't look like that. So, you know, it's a matter of what you want, but... I, but I guess the bottom line is you're not getting a huge gaming benefit from Coffee Lake. Understood. Well, um, obviously that was a lot of information <laughs> about yes about so a you number can go of to laptopmag.com. Well, one more time. Sorry, I talked over you. So you can go to laptopmag.com, and uh, I think it's on the homepage right now. But if not, look for uh, our CPU guide. Which CPU is right for you? And that explains everything about all the new CPUs and even the old ones. Fantastic. Well, Avram, as always, uh, love hearing about the topics that I don't always have the ability to follow myself. I've been following the, uh, the Windows on ARM process, but... Uh, been very difficult for me to follow the the new pro oh the new processors out of uh intel so we always appreciate you bringing those to us always a pleasure and uh i guess until next week ciao This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. Um, all the gaming accessories that you need to up your PC or uh, console gaming experience. <clears throat> Whether you're looking for uh, some of the best deals uh, that I have personally ever seen on, um, on the uh, Razer Blade laptops or you're interested in checking out the all-new uh, Razer Game Store? Uh, there's a whole big collection of PC games available uh, for purchase with rewards. And there are free games available all through the all-new Razer Game Store. And all of that is available by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. I apologize to everybody for pausing weirdly for a second there at the end of the pilch point. Um, 
I lost sound in my head. <laughs> I was trying to make sure you guys hadn't. So, <laughs> um, anyway, yes. Um, so, gaming, right? We've, <laughs> so far, we've mentioned uh, being able to buy games from Microsoft and now Razer. So, uh, let's talk about Valve. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you may or probably don't remember that a number of years ago, uh, Valve launched a anti, seemingly anti-gaming on Windows campaign before Windows 8 came out. Uh, Gabe Newell, the CEO of Valve, made a number of statements uh, suggesting that uh, you couldn't play games on Windows 8, which was bizarre considering... Um, of course you could. <laughs> and it turned out the reason why he was making those strange statements was because they had been working on their own operating system that relied on Linux, uh, which is different than being based on it. Android is based on it, and uh, SteamOS relied on it, um, called SteamOS. And uh, the idea was that they were going to produce what was rumored to be called Steam Boxes, what turned out to be called Steam Machines, and um, what the world decided was uninteresting. Uh, they uh, suffered a lot of problems. In 2013, they were officially announced and named. They were supposed to come out in early 2014. They had over 100 hardware partners ready to go to produce this hardware. Obviously, the big guys in the market were all in attendance. You had Alienware. Interestingly, you had Razer. You had uh, all, you know, uh, MSI. All the guys who have a big name in uh, the the PC gaming space were all ready to produce Steam machines. And uh, mid-2014 came. Late-2014 came. <laughs> And no hardware had been released by by November of 2014. Dell or Alienware had uh, totally given up, and the hardware that they had already produced for the Steam machines they released running Windows. <laughs> um, partners dropped like crazy, and um, it, eventually this week <laughs> they have been delisted from the Steam web store. Uh, any remaining reference to Steam machines is officially removed from Valve's sites, and uh, the URL that used to be for the Steam machines, uh, steampowered.com slash living room slash SteamOS or something like that, uh, now just goes to a search page for all of the other hardware. Um, and there were a number of reasons why this never worked. The f For me, I think the primary one was the reliance on Linux. The fact that um, you had to... You could only play games that were built to run on Linux Prime. Uh, and... When SteamOS was announced, it was less than 10% of the Steam store ran on Linux. And um, by the time the hardware actually came out, it was less than 8% of the games available on Steam ran on Linux. And uh, the only way 
interestingly enough, the only way that this, in my opinion, that the steam machines could have ever succeeded is if they had already succeeded. <laughs> because they there had to already be a draw to build AAA titles for Linux for them to build AAA titles for Linux. And there wasn't. This was theoretically the first, but nobody was going to buy the hardware until there were games, and nobody was going to build the games until there was hardware, and so uh, neither one happened. And so here we are. The... The platform is officially retired, as we all knew that it must be eventually. You know, this is interesting uh, news to discuss in light of the Microsoft reorganization that just happened. Right? Because all the stories coming out of that are like, Windows is dead. Microsoft, even Microsoft doesn't like Windows anymore. Look, they... You know, they don't, it doesn't even have its own division anymore. But tell me, who has really overtaken Windows? You know, yeah. you, ha you have Chrome OS for a, a kind of a dedicated niche sure. of people who don't care about other stuff. You have people trying to sort of bring Android to, but that's sort of within Chrome OS. You have Mac OS for people who, want to live with a Mac, but you know, you, you've got to buy their hardware. Sure. Um, you know, where else do you have an operating system that is as well supported mm -hmm. and, uh, universal as windows? Right. Well, I think, I think part of, part of the problem that they, that they encountered there, in addition to the fact that nobody, builds games for Linux um, was the fact that on Windows, which is where it, well, we'll, we'll talk about the, the gaming community, but in a second, but let's talk PC gamers in particular. Um, P, PC gamers are not interested in running something experimental and they don't want to be locked down. Like, yes, are there people who are emotionally invested in Steam? Yes. Do they want to change to something experimental where none of their games work? No. But a lot of gamers use multiple sources for their games because that's, you know, that's one of the big, beautiful things that has always existed on Windows is... Microsoft doesn't care, right? They, If somebody else wants to build another game distribution platform like Razer launched literally this week, great. So, okay, so you've got Uplay from Ubisoft. You've got uh, whatever EA calls theirs. I've totally blanked all of a sudden. You've got Steam. You've got now the Razer Game Store. And you can buy games direct from Microsoft. Microsoft doesn't care. Go for it. Woohoo! With this, you're going to be locked into Steam. And not everybody. I, there are people who get mad at Gabe on a regular basis and don't want to give him money. I understand. Half they never finished Half Life Two. I understand. Getting mad at <laughs> getting mad at uh at Valve is perfectly natural. So, I you know I. 
if they had tried to like if they wanted to take big picture mode and put it on like make a big push to do windows living room pcs and make it a good experience and use the big picture mode that might have worked but trying to go with less than eight percent of your game catalog and no triple a titles i just i don't think that was ever going to be a success plus of course there's the the problem right that gamers are very platform centric right like PC gamers make fun of Xbox gamers, and Xbox gamers make fun of PlayStation gamers. It, like <laughs> the idea of trying to get a PC gamer to switch from PC to a controller, from keyboard and mouse to a controller, was an insane theory. Especially a controller that was as bad as the one that came with these things that. Which, by the way, was so bad, they eventually started shipping with uh, Xbox controllers. <laughs> there were just, there were a lot of problems. And, you know, once Microsoft started to really embrace and launch that the Xbox was a PC in the living room, I think that was the final nail in the coffin, right? You know? What the last the last dashboard for the Xbox 360 ran a, literally ran on Windows 8.1, and the Xbox One has been Windows 10 since launch. You know, that's that was the the whole remaining selling point of the Steam machines. Anyway, I know I've talked a lot. I haven't given Avram as much time to talk as I usually do. I apologize. No, I usually the big talker on this. Look, I I think you know this death knell was long coming. It's it's very hard to displace Microsoft, especially when you're trying to displace an open platform with a closed one. Mm-hmm. Uh, now this may not be good. The openness and and wide adoption of Windows uh, may not be what Microsoft likes about it right now because they want people to use the Windows Store, um, so they can they can get a cut, but. Um, but Windows is the best supported operating system in the world, and therefore it's the best for it's the best for PC gaming. Period. So, you know, unless they could find a way to have it run all the games right. and do so cheaper, um, I don't see I don't see how they're going to they're going to win. Yeah, how they would have won. Yeah, and the fact that it was like super closed not just on the software but on the hardware you it shipped with this terrible controller to play games that were designed for a keyboard and mouse because i can tell you the eight percent of games that came out for linux were not designed for a controller because how many people use a controller on linux right so there's this weird controller that didn't make mouse and keyboard play (laughs) uh natural but then if you didn't want to use that sad story friend <laughs> yes versus like you said with windows it's it's a totally open thing you want to use an xbox controller great you want to pair a blue uh a playstation controller over bluetooth there's drivers for it do it what evs <laughs> you play the way you want to keyboard and mouse controller uh, you want to build a thing that runs on your brainwaves? Great. 
<laughs> you play how you want to play. We don't care. So yeah, that trying to get people who are used to you do what you want to do to play on a very closed system was not not a recipe for success, like you said. Anyway, goodbye, Steam Machines. And interestingly, there we received a comment on Facebook. It said, uh, what's a Steam Machine? And I said, exactly. So <laughs> um, that's, I guess that's that, right? This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you. Um, the guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to God Monster of Indian Flats. Tell me I can't make these things up. They've got a little bit of everything. The way it usually works is for a couple of bucks, you download the MP3, play it along with your uh, DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. Um, from time to time, they do some uh, um, uh, live events. They have several scheduled for this year. The first one will be Thursday, June 14th at 7 p.m., Space Mutiny. Rift Live in theaters nationwide, and um, they also have some deals. This week's deal, uh, which ends tonight or tomorrow night, maybe, is the Sword and the Sorcerer, uh, two dollars off. And if you want to see all of the movies and shorts that are available, or find out how you can purchase tickets to the live events, you can go to f5live.tv/rifttracks with an X. Uh, we received a comment in the chat room that the volume for the live audio was low. Hopefully that has been fixed. Uh, let us know if it has not. Um, okay, so uh, in internet, this is an important topic that uh, has been kind of the face of the internet for a long time. But in the last couple of weeks, we've seen some of the, the biggest problems and culminating with the the Facebook issue that everybody knows about and uh, Cambridge Analytica. Here's the thing. Uh, you need to be responsible for your own privacy because nobody else is going to. Um, we've seen, obviously, the story that everybody's, everybody is aware of, probably globally, is Facebook and um, how easy it was to get either to get data through the API um, indirectly or honest to God, more uh, more likely for you to give access to that data uh, yourself. Um, anytime you see one of those, what color are you or which Hogwarts house are you? Um, and you click on it and it says, well, this app needs to access your no, that, that is you giving that publisher all your information. Don't do it. Um, but in addition to 
Facebook's lack of interest in uh, your privacy. They're not the only ones. Um, you've you've got to be careful about who you give that information to in the first place. We saw uh, Panera Bread was uh, easily exposing customer information with a very easily discoverable pattern. If that guy isn't fired, he should have been fired. Like they should go back in time and fire him pre fire him quicker. Out of a cannon into the sun. Um, <laughs> there's a Futurama quote for you. Anyway, yeah. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We should explain that. To, we should explain that one to the audience because I'm sure everybody's. I'm sure everybody's by now heard of Cambridge Analytica, absolutely. the uh, political organization getting. Uh, data on as many as 87 million different users and and using it to target them with uh, you know target them with some information that with with misinformation with largely misinformation. And, However, and all done using legitimate authorization through the API. Yes, although against the terms of service. Sure, but but. Um, the Panera uh, issue is one that has not been covered widely enough. I think you're absolutely no, right. No, it's it's not been covered widely enough that everybody would would uh, would get it, and also uh, we'll get what we're talking about. We say the Panera Bread, and also I think in its own way a bit more shocking. I mean, the situation with Facebook is shocking because of the impact that it's had. Sure. I mean, obviously people feel that this influenced the the outcome of of the presidential election, sure. but and the Panera thing, I don't know what the actual consequences are going to be because it doesn't sound like credit card numbers were in it. Uh, but holy cow, what a bozo. Sure. Somebody, so somebody figured out, security researcher figured out that if you went to a certain URL, a certain web address at the Panera Bread website and you use the right query string, you, you put in the right URL – no password required, no uh-huh. VPN required, no hacking, no unencrypting, nothing, nothing special except just knowing where to go, what, what to type in. You could see a complete list of Panera customers and all the information that Panera had on them, including their address, what they ordered, the last four digits of their credit card, I think if there was a phone number on, on there, their phone number, mm-hmm. if there was an email address on there, their email address. It was basically so, anything that would show up uh, when you went to your uh, profile screen within the application. So all available at a public URL. Yes. And now, the, the thing that was fascinating to me, the thing that was most fascinating about it was th- that it was easy to figure out the, the URL structure. Um, because the URL, you know, if you hit F12 in any of the browsers, you can watch what it's accessing. But the thing that I found most fascinating was that it was all done with easily predictable, um, uh, input because, you know, you, you see a profile, which is great, but theoretically you only see your own profile, but no, if you just put in ID, Let's say your your user ID was 1003. If you put in 1002, you got their profile information. Whoops. Yep. 
Yep, that's that's uh, that's very poor security. It did not and verify then, that you were the person making the request, which is. But wait, there's, there's more. more. So they made a mistake. You know what? Mistakes happen. But if somebody tells you, a security researcher contacts you to tell you that you that they have discovered the security flaw, we're not polishing this, we're not telling the public so people can't can't exploit this this problem, but you really gotta fix this. I, you know, I'm being a good Samaritan here. I'm telling you, you don't spit in that person's face and ignore them, which is exactly what happened. You don't, you don't reply to the security researcher and tell them this is obviously a scam. I mean, (laughs) you, you know, so this person doesn't, you know, so you know, I don't know them, of course, but they <laughs> seem to seem to be so egotistical that it's like, no, nothing could be wrong with my software. Sure. You're scamming me. You know, if somebody now, you know, we all must beware. I mean, the other day, my mother called me in a panic because she got some type of pop up thing that said, you must call Microsoft support. And she was wondering whether she really needed to call Microsoft support. And I explained to her that that, that was a, uh, a phishing scheme. Mm-hmm. But but nevertheless, if you're a the head of an IT department, you're getting this information. The person seems legit. They're offering to send you this information. I think they were upset because the the uh, security researcher asked them for an encryption key so they could send the information on the vulnerability as encrypted, and that was for the protection of the company. Sure. So it wouldn't be intercepted. You know. So. Yeah, it's that's just incredibly irresponsible, um, incredibly irresponsible behavior. But you know, I could see where in developing the software they could have not realized that somebody might do that. But absolutely, I, I can tell you, I have made a mistake where information was made available to customers whose information it was not. It happens. But as soon as you hear about it, you go, "Uh uh-oh, and fix it. That second, you assume that a good developer assumes that they are wrong and investigates and solves it immediately. Right. You you don't be, don't be arrogant. Right. You know, that's, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, if I heard somebody like that was doing security for my company, I'd want them gone yesterday. I mean, uh-huh. they're, they're not even willing to uh, – and then they, they lied to the researcher too. They're like, yeah, yeah, we'll get around to it. We'll fix it. And that person waited eight months. Eight months. I mean, this is, this is, this is the ethical dilemma that these security researchers have. A lot of people don't realize. Like, so they're out there. They find a vulnerability. They want the, – number one, they're trying to be nice folks. They want – they want the company that has a vulnerability to fix it before hackers catch on. Right. And if they just, first thing they do is publish an article about it, well, then hackers may catch on before the company has an opportunity to fix the problem. Right. But so this person, they tell him that they're going to fix it, and he checks back every you know every month mm-hmm. for months. 
and it's not fixed. Well, you know, that those are eight months during which the data could have been compromised. So, you know, maybe the security researcher should, should have been less ethical and come out with it sooner. I don't know. You know, it's, right. uh, it's a dilemma. It sure is. But then let's add to this. So we've got Facebook whose structure and user base made the information easily available. We've got Panera whose arrogance made the information available. And then we've got companies like the, uh, the hookup app grinder who have been selling the information about their users to third parties. So that, that brings us back to, and, and not just like little things They they were selling, uh, HIV status information about their users, which that that's borderline medical data. Sure. It's openly shared with the company for a specific reason, but it was not <laughs> made available to the world for anybody's use. It was, you know, so you just have to assume that you have to be careful who you give information to is really what it comes down to. Whether it be having to be critical about new apps and things that you sign up for. You know, if a, if a platform asks you, and I understand a platform like Grindr asking about HIV status, I understand why, they, why that's on a user's profile in the, in the gay community. HIV status is an important topic and good on them for making it, you know, front and center in their, in their pitch, but it's not good when all of a sudden you can't trust the company with your data or when it's, or if you're dealing with an established company, you ha you know, you got to be critical about what information you give them too, because you don't know what problems might exist or, uh, or, you know, when you're on Facebook, if you, if somebody, if somebody asks for your Facebook information, be very critical about what it is. Do you need to know whether you are red or green? No, you don't. <laughs> Do you need to take a survey to find out what Hogwarts house you are? Not if it's asking for your contact list, you don't just, you know, be, be critical about who's asking for information and why? Because um, nobody is going to look out for you but you. Yes, but I'd like to say something about the other side sure. of this. Sure. The other side of the equation. You need to be a – everybody needs to be a smarter consumer of media. Oh, absolutely. So, yes, Cambridge Analytica and probably lots of other folks – have your data and they're going to try to target you with misinformation. That doesn't mean that if you see something on Facebook, you have to believe it. Sure. Even it, especially if it confirms your own worldview, right? Like, you know, if it sounds too odd to be true, 
maybe it is too odd to be true. You know, like maybe it is a little much. Uh, now, Cambridge Analytica didn't invent this. You know, uh, it's been going on for a long time, and Facebook isn't the only place you can be targeted with. Sure. Uh, I mean, I invite you to go to a supermarket checkout line and see the types of, of uh, you know, incorrect uh, stories that appear in, you know, in some of the tabloids sure. that are that they sell by the chewing gum. Um, and even if you don't buy those tabloids, you're seeing them. So you're seeing the headlines. So, you know, you just you have to be. You have to be a consumer, a, a, a smart consumer of news. I remember when I was a kid, and you know we didn't have the internet. Remember, kids, we didn't have the internet. Um, and we'd go through the supermarket, and they'd have all these stories. They'd have my favorite newspaper, the Weekly World News, and they, the Weekly World News was different from Inquirer or some of the others because it was not a celebrity celebrity uh gossip it was like you know absolutely totally crazy stuff like you know uh my favorite headline from weekly world news was swami hasn't gone potty in 28 years they claim to have found a man who who like was through i don't know some type of yoga or some type of of like magic has figured out how to keep his body from creating waste anyway um like that's the kind of thing they would have on the cover sure and i remember when i was a kid seeing this sort of thing and saying to and saying to my parents like oh my god aliens did you know aliens are coming it was says so right there in the front of the newspaper and then they pulled me aside and they're like look just because it's printed in on a piece of paper and they have it at the grocery store does not make it true right and and think about this. The barrier to entry for getting in the supermarket checkout line is a lot greater than the barrier for entry to, to, to distributing news on Facebook. Like sure. the people who, who make the Inquirer and, and Weekly World News or whatever, they have to actually like pay for printing. They have to pay for a printing press. They have to actually get like all the supermarkets that carry them to agree to put that on their shelf. Uh-huh. With Facebook, you don't need to do any of that. It's all digital, and you can get it right out there. You almost, know? So almost no cost of distribution. If you use one of Todd's uh, promo codes, you can get a a domain for ninety nine cents and you know, WordPress hosting for a dollar a month. So zero cost of distribution versus being in the, in the supermarket for sure. So, but I mean, just getting it on things like, you know, creating a website is easy, but I mean, doing things like getting it in someone's trending topics or sure. an ad in their feed or whatever. It's a little that more costs complicated, money. sure. That costs some money, but, you know, people need to, to wisen up. And if you see something there, you know, for one, look at the source. You know, is this a trusted source? Sure. You know. And if not... And, is there information about the source? Yes. Is there information about the source? You know, is this being reported by multi, by other outlets that are that are reputable? Sure. You know, little things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Always, always a good topic um, and a good reminder. Be critical. 
That, I, I guess that's the, the takeaway. Be critical about who's asking for your information. Be critical about who's giving you information. That just think before you act. And it doesn't matter if you're giving or receiving information. Just think before you act. I think, I think that's our big takeaway on that. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is probably powered by Amazon Prime. You know your basic uh, benefits of Amazon Prime. You get a free shipping, sometimes same day, sometimes one day, sometimes two day. Um, but you may not know all of the things that you get included in your annual subscription. For example, you may not know that you get Amazon Prime Music, which is free music streaming of several million songs. Included, you get Amazon Prime Video, which Avram and I are both big fans of and have oftentimes found things, sometimes that we share during the show, of uh, content that, uh, that we like. Uh, there's Twitch Prime, which gives you now multiple benefits. The first is you get a free subscription on uh, Twitch and... Uh, you get free games every month, just like being an Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus subscriber. Uh, but you get them on the PC. You get unlimited photo storage um, uh, with Amazon Prime Photos. So that we talked a number of months ago about a, a, a phone whose firmware bricked the phones. Now you don't have to worry about losing your data. And there's a whole bunch more features that you get included in your subscription uh, plus we've got if you're not already a subscriber we have a free 30-day trial to find out if prime is for you and you can get that trial and find out about all of the uh, features that you get by going to f5live.tv slash prime uh, my my prime uh, <laughs> my prime pitch for the for the day is that um is that uh, it's not yet, not yet, but uh, later this month, uh, season four of Bosch is going up, and I really like that show. So, uh, and you can watch the first three if you haven't. Sure. If you liked, if you liked The Wire, uh, then you will, then you will love Bosch. Okay, it's it is not a series that I have watched, but recommendations from Avram tend to uh, fit in my. Uh my media enjoyment so i might just have to try that one out <laughs> um okay so here's here's an interesting one uh we you and i avram have talked a number of times about what i like to refer to as the verizon nostalgia unit which they unfortunately refer to as oath which is the weirdest brand name ever um and the idea that um you know companies were very interested what what do we call them uh, uh, line owners buying up uh, content producers it was pretty popular and uh, you know Verizon bought AOL and Yahoo AT&T is trying to buy Time Warner you know things like that um, with a with a big purchase like like AOL or Yahoo you end up with a lot of brands because those companies own a lot of stuff. AOL 
came along with Engadget and TechCrunch and Huffington Post. Verizon owns the Huffington Post. It's so weird. But in that big bundle that was AOL came Movie Phone, the, uh, the service that you used to call 777 Film, famously parodied on Seinfeld, and you could hear all of the movies um, that were playing in your area. And then, obviously, eventually they went with a big web presence and a mobile presence and um, in 2014 shut down the uh, the iconic phone number. But that doesn't quite fit into, from what my guess is, doesn't quite fit into why Verizon bought AOL. They bought AOL for Engadget and TechCrunch and Huffington Post and things like that. And so this week, they sold MoviePhone to Startup MoviePass. Um... Which, if you do not know MoviePass, don't feel bad. Most people don't. Uh, they are a subscription service for $10 a month. You can go see, quote, unlimited movies. It's actually limited to one per day um, in theaters. It's kind of a cool thing. Uh, they've had some trouble getting subscribers. So they recently ran a promotion where you could get the service for $7 a month if you paid for the whole year. Um, they bought Movie Phone for $1 million, which, just for reference, AOL paid $388 million for Movie Phone when they bought it. Uh, they sold but they didn't buy it all by itself, did they? What's that? Did they buy it all by itself for $388? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they bought just Movie Phone, uh... For $388 million. Now, granted, that was in 1999 when movie phone was the way to get inf movie information. Uh, obviously, it's not the thing that we usually think of. To go back to our first topic, it's probably more common to say, Hey, Cortana or Hey, Siri, what movies are playing tonight? Um, than to go to movie phone. Uh, but MoviePass now owns MoviePhone, and their intention is to use the two services, um, use MoviePhone to try and drive subscriber base for MoviePass, and um, to obviously use the existing uh, data relationships of MoviePhone to enhance uh, the MoviePass experience because you have to... Uh, buy your ticket quote unquote um, through the movie pass app so if you can do the kind of research about films that movie phone has always provided without having to leave the environment um, they feel maybe more people will be inclined to subscribe I don't know or maybe stay subscribed I don't know it's an interesting purchase and it's always interesting when something um, well known and iconic like movie phone gets bought by somebody who it feels like has been around for six weeks. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Uh, it seems to me like Movie Pass is one of those too-good-to-be-true venture capitalist stories that's going to blow up. Uh, yeah. I guess, you know, I guess Movie Phone not having a lot of value anymore is one thing, although... I can't say that the space doesn't have value. Like, I think people still use Fandango a lot. I use Fandango. Sure. 
you know. But Fandango, so I think they've just been overtaken by Fandango uh, has has both the ability to research and purchase the tickets, which is what MoviePass is trying to do with the purchase of Movie Phone is to be able to do the the research and the ticket purchase all in one environment. I think they're trying to create a Fandango style uh, experience. But you can, um, I mean, it actually looks like it's a much crappier UI and whatever than, than Fandango, but you can directly buy the tickets on uh, Movie Phone. I mean, it's not yet integrated with Movie Pass, sure. but you can, you can if you if you're not Movie Pass, just just buy tickets. Sure, but you know, but now they can use that the existing user base for people who do still go to Movie Phone and say this ticket is eleven dollars to see this this movie. Did you know for ten dollars a month you can see thirty movies? You know, one movie there- a day. There's no way that they're making any money on this, and they know it. And it's the irony of it is that there actually are movie theater chains that are angry at them, mm-hmm. even though they're paying the movie theater chain. So the movie theater chain gets paid their their money no matter what. So they're taking a massive loss. So you know, let's say you you know let's say you you pay the ten dollars a month and you even use it twice mm-hmm. you go to the movies twice in the month that's so and I don't know about how much it costs to go to a movie where where you live uh scott in in Florida, but here less than there for sure <laughs> but here here it could easily be for even non three d movie like twelve dollars thirteen dollars okay so you're spending ten dollars a month to get an unlimited number of $13 tickets. Mm-hmm. Or, or not unlimited, but, you know, a maximum of $390 worth of value. Uh-huh. Even if you assume that, okay, nobody, very few people actually use it that much, the only way for this to be profitable is if a whole bunch of people don't use it at all during the, during a given month. Or if they How can, likely or is if that? Or if they can build some really good relationships with the theaters to buy tickets in bulk, maybe. Correct, but what what we've been reading so far about it is that the theaters don't want that. Yeah, they and some theaters have actually uh, barred the service. Right, Even, they don't want that. They don't want the uh, the cost of the ticket to be cheapened, right? So to speak. I I, I mean I'm with with uh, whoever with Movie Pass, I guess, in that movie theater tickets are too expensive. Sure. They're way too expensive. It's cert- it's so, certainly the thing that, that MoviePass is pointing out, whether or not they ever figure out a business model that'll work for them. They're certainly I mean, pointing out that, that movie theater tickets are too expensive. I mean, movie theaters, you know, are, are going, uh, you know, I shouldn't say this because they're opening a brand new movie theater like three blocks of my house, which I'm excited to go to at some point. But... You know, movie theaters, I mean, it's just not worth it for most things. Like, there's the movies that are like, they really need to. This is my my rant for the last 20 years. Movies should be charged, the cost of going to a movie should be based on whether or not this is a desirable movie to see in the theater. Like, you, you know... You want to go see like Black Panther. Like that's great. Black Panther is a fantastic movie. Great special effects. You know, great to see on the big screen. You know, really great cinematic experience. 
that's worth $13. Maybe it should even be a $15 movie. I don't know. You, 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 but you want to go see like, you know, what are some of the movies that are coming out, out now? Like, uh, you know, you want to go see, uh, the, the, you know, a movie, the Jim from the office, quiet movie. Yeah. That's not worth $13. If I want to see people talking, I'll just look outside. I don't need, I mean, I don't need to see that on the big screen. I don't need to, I don't, you know, Yeah. unless there's like, unless there's like something, something really exciting happening in the movie. That's like a cinematic experience. Right. Even if it's like a lovely plot and great, good acting, that's, that's not worth $12. And people should also remember it's not just $12 because or $13. If you're, if you're adults and you have kids, you might need a babysitter. Sure. If you're going to the family of multiple people, then you multiply that $12 by four people or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and people usually want to get concessions. Like, there, it ought to be the case that some movies are like free with con- free if you buy concessions or something like that. Like, they ought to be just like concession bait. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. I've I've seen films like that. And it's like, but no matter how good or bad it is, everything costs the same. Yeah, it makes no sense. Agreed. Totally agreed on that. Um. Anyway. This is a obviously a weird purchase. I I don't know what their plans are. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, the movie phone was purchased by mostly by the majority shareholder in MoviePass. So, should MoviePass uh, cease to exist, my guess is the parent would still own this iconic brand, which I think might be part of the plan. Who knows? I I don't. It also um, is important to note that a lot of people call MoviePass Movie Phone um, because the brand names are so similar. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Maybe this is just another way, uh, like a way to guarantee that. Even if you get it wrong, you get it right. I don't know. But it's definitely a weird purchase. Ish. Obviously, a movie provider buying a movie provider, you know. There's obviously some some synergy there. But, yeah, it's definitely a weird purchase for all of the reasons that we said. But mostly because I don't know what their business model is. And I can't imagine MoviePass sticking around. Yeah, I can't either. Well, I guess I guess we shall see. But it, it's it just sounds like one of those things that's too good to be true. Uh-huh. Where, you know, back in the, I won't talk the audience ear off for too long about this, but back in the day, back in the late '90s, the boom of the internet time, wonderful time for me in my life. The uh, they there was a service in New York called Urban Fetch. Uh, do you? Did you ever have Urban Fetch? Did you know heard of Urban Fetch? That brand name does nothing for me. Okay. So there was Urban Fetch and there was Cosmo. They both delivered DVDs to your house. This is before you could stream stuff, so it actually mattered. They would not only deliver D- they would not only deliver DVD rentals to you, 
within an hour, mind you, uh, at like any time or at least up until midnight. But I think any I think any time day or night they would they had a variety of other things that they sold you too. like they would sell you a DVD. They would rent you a DVD. They even had they would even sell you a TV, a DVD player. Uh, this is like 20 years before Amazon same day, okay. right? Uh, and and the prices were ridiculous. They were very low. You weren't you weren't paying the premium for this. Uh, and they added other things too, like snacks and and you know like snacks and even medicine you could get from them. You had a cold, give me, give me some cold medicine. So it was it was pretty incredible what Urban Fetch could do. Well. You know, and they were very, very generous. Like I, one time, I bought a DVD from them, and they said, "Thank you for being a customer. Here is a fresh baked cookie, a T-shirt, and a twenty-dollar gift certificate to buy another movie." I spent twenty dollars with them, and I got more than twenty dollars worth of stuff. Apparently, right? apparently, they also had hats. Yes, I'm sure they did. They eventually, I, they, it may still exist. They eventually turned into a messenger service. Which is, you know, using that infrastructure. Anyway, so what happened? There was a story going around. First of all, they were bleeding money because they were, they were, they were buying, they were buying the movies at more than they were selling them for, and then they giving all these perks. But the worst, there was this other uh, video uh, e-tailer named Big Star, um, and Big Star was like an early day competitor to Amazon, but it just did videos right okay and big star found out that uh urban fetch was selling its videos for less than the less than wholesale so big star would just put in a big order to have delivered from urban fetch instead of uh, they'd be like bring the truck don't bring the bike right so so big star would buy their movies from urban fetch at Urban Fetch's loss, and then resell them at regular prices. <laughs> oh my god, that's oh, that's so. so funny. I just, I just listened to a comedian who told a story. Obviously, it wasn't real about um, having a honey company. And he sold the honey to the grocery stores for a certain price, but honey is a loss leader. So the grocery stores sold it for less than they paid for it. So he'd just go back in and buy it again and then sell it back to them. <laughs> which, which is kind of the same business model. It's pretty clever. Uh, Urban Fetch, yeah. the website is definitely a thing. You can buy liquor and food and all kinds of stuff maybe, maybe they've been brought back because for a while they, they just turned into a straight old messenger service uh from the infrastructure that they had but you know like talk about a decline in 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 service like that was such a lovely service and sure. then like you know only now are you starting to get that kind of service back again yeah but we had it in in new york with urban fetch in 1998 New York and London were the two services that Urban you know, Fetch uh, uh, served, and they weren't and they weren't the only one. There was also Cosmo that did the same thing, but Cosmo was more expensive. Apparently, apparently, the guy who founded Urban Fetch 
uh, was approached to fund Cosmo and said no and built a competitor instead. Uh, I was just I doing research while you were talking. I didn't know all the intrigue. But anyway, <laughs> you know, everything old is new again. Absolutely. I, w- I wish the movie passed people lots of luck in getting movie tickets to be cheaper. Um, but uh, <sighs> that's uh, I, all I have to say about it. I think that noise sums it up pretty well. <laughs> and uh, with that, that is our show. Uh, thank you for joining us. Those of you who joined us live, we always appreciate it. Uh, we had uh, actually a number of people in the uh, in the rooms uh, across the internet. Uh, so thank you to those of you who joined us live. If you're not able to join us live, that is okay. You can go to pluckitslive.com slash subscribe. You can do that if you've joined us live as well. Because uh, there you can see F5 Live and the Pilch Point, as well as the special events, first looks, um, new product launch pad, a number of other series as well. Um, we've got at least one uh, new series coming with the 3000 Brigade, which we're really excited about. Then we've got some other stuff in the works as well uh, that we can't wait to tell you guys about. Um, uh, but if you'd like to join us live, if you're subscribed and would like to join us live and uh, chat with us in the chat rooms and give us your take on the topics as we talk about them, you can do that. Uh, F5live.tv slash join us. Sunday night is about 9 p.m. We go for about an hour. Obviously, tonight has uh, not been any of the norms, but that is okay. We had some really interesting topics tonight. Um, we've got... Uh, special events. One more big special event uh, coming up. It is uh, the end of the month. It is um, April 30th and May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. We will be in New Orleans for Collision. Um, Sunday night, we will do our pre-show from New Orleans and then um, the 6th, hopefully, we will do our normal show back from the studio. Uh, That is going to be a lot of fun. It is the longest collision yet. It is four days and there will only be two of us on air so we may die throughout <laughs> because that is a lot of talking over four days um but we'll do our best uh but we're very much looking forward to it collision is one of our favorite events of the year so definitely stay tuned for that and i guess with that on behalf of the staff that's not here i'm scott i'm abram and we will see you guys back next week normal time normal place ciao